Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe or why you believe it. It's just part of this this life we call faith where we're exploring and discovering more about ourselves, about our God, and about our relationship between the two. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name's Ryan Harris. And today we're going to explore uh, a little bit about God that has been under the surface in a lot of our conversations, but we've never explicitly discussed it. And we're going to talk about God's anger. And right off the bat, I just want to say that culturally speaking, we have a weird relationship with anger. We as Americans, if you will, but really we as people in the 21st century, I think we have a weird relationship with anger. Maybe weird's not the best word. We have an estranged relationship with anger. A dysfunctional relationship with anger. Yeah. yeah. Anger, of course, for many, when we hear about anger right away, we think of it as violence. We think of it as violent. And we really think of it as something that a tool somebody uses. Yes, it is an emotion, but it's also a tool that somebody uses in order to gain control, to maintain control. To hurt people. To hurt people. Yeah. Exactly. So I think a good place to start actually today is to share a little bit of our experiences of how we've handled anger. I mean, we can blame the culture all we want, but we can it'd be better if we explore how anger has impacted us either through our own actions and through our own anger or through the anger of others as we've lived in this faith journey and uh, this, this life. So Ryan, what, uh, when you hear anger, how does that strike you? Does that strike you as uh, let me say that differently. Um, do you feel like you have a healthy relationship with what anger is? I would say that I've been doing a lot of work on trying to develop a more healthy conception of and understanding of and even use of anger because historically for me, no. <laughs> the reason I said dysfunctional relationship with anger earlier was because that's how I would describe myself. Um, in my case, because of a lot of reasons uh, and a lot of different influences and, and sources and everything. I think my experience of anger growing up and even into adulthood, like people would talk about righteous anger or that anger can do good things. But I was always never said this, but I was always skeptical because I couldn't think of a time when I saw anger do anything that was actually good. And my life, I saw anger be used to control or manipulate, um, to hurt people, uh, you know, I don't think that anger has to be vindictive, but usually they were somehow uh, that or selfishness, like they were usually tied together in the way that I saw anger used. Um, and so because to me, angry was anger was such a scary thing because I was very scared of angry people, um, mostly angry men, but, you know, anger in general, I was always worried about um, in fact, I would say I was incapable of really expressing much anger myself outside of like, you know, being annoyed at the person who insists on paying with the check at the store, um, at the grocery <laughs> store, you know, while I'm in line. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like actual anger outside of just like moderately inconvenienced, you know, there's that saying about 
that I stole from my friend about hell hath no fury, like a homosexual mildly inconvenienced. But um, <laughs> other than that kind of stuff, I, even though I now know that I was very angry about some things, I had convinced myself I was not because anger only hurt people in my mind and I didn't want to do that. So yeah, to answer your question, I would say that I had a very dysfunctional relationship with and ambivalent and avoidant relationship with anger. And I still struggle with that sometimes. I still have a hard time dealing with angry people, but I've been doing a lot of work, a lot of therapy, a lot of, you know, personal growth and, and stuff and been coming more to terms with anger and that sort of thing. So, but for the most part, um, that's been my experience of anger. Was yours similar or was it different for you? I think mine's pretty similar. Uh, I have never been comfortable with anger. Um, I just don't do well around anger. When people are angry, I typically think that they probably have a right to be angry at me, especially if it's towards mm. me, mm -hmm. and think, oh, I must be doing something wrong. I probably or, deserve it. Yeah, I can yeah, relate. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how I would react to it. Not necessarily in fear of the angry person. Now, I've been afraid of angry people, of course. You know, you see some angry people every once in a while. And they can be, especially in person, they can be really terrifying. Uh, however, generally, anger in my everyday life is anger about a situation in which I play a role. And usually it's, <laughs> I react by saying, oh, I must, must have done something wrong to make this person upset, so I better mm. fix it. Right. I think that's how, but still, that's a very unhealthy approach, right? I don't think that's a very healthy approach because a healthy approach, at least as I conceive of it, would be to uh, allow someone to express that anger, but then to, for myself, if, if I don't, if I honestly don't think that I've done anything wrong, or even if I have, to just speak into that with calm, uh, direct, instead of letting that anger impact me and make me panic. Um, giving me time to pause and really consider and letting us both pause and consider how can we, how can we remedy the situation that's hurting our relationship or whatever it might be. So was your experience growing up similar to mine in that, like, did you feel angry yourself or cause like, that's what mine was, is that I just convinced myself I was not angry, even though I, I was, um, was that the same for you? Boy, that's a good question. Because it might not be, um, you know, but that's just how mine was. When that was true, because it was true, I was angry. And sometimes without me not knowing I was angry, it was usually because I was angry at myself, hmm. I think. I was not happy with the way that I was doing things, the way I was behaving, uh, the way I was, yeah. And not behaving like in some grand, you know, I've got this hidden closet of skeletons that I'm, uh, terrified of letting come out. Just like I didn't say the right thing mm -hmm. or I didn't, didn't, uh, emote <laughs> properly or anything like that. Um, I think it was just that kind of stuff that I was angry at myself. 
Uh, and of course that built up. I think uh, my first few years of marriage really helped me see how angry I was because um, my wife would kind of react and say, whoa, what's going on, dude? Um, Because little things would get me upset. And then, you know, we don't need to go into this too much, but conservative uh, Christians and uh, newscasters are always about getting people angry. And I was was in that stew. Mm -hmm. I was there. Yep. So that didn't help. That, That made me be angry about things other than myself, or maybe because I was angry at myself, I could direct that anger towards other things Uh, uh, so that I didn't have to really work on myself or worry about myself. I don't know. That's that's a a bit too psychoanalytic for me, but I wonder, I wonder. So how do two guys who uh, have an unhealthy relationship (laughs) with anger really talk about anger? Yeah. Well, like I said, I've, I've come a long way um, in that, I guess I would say for me, I'm still not entirely sure how to always express anger that I feel um, like in a way that is not damaging either to myself or others, but I've come a long way in being able to, yes, I will admit that I am angry about things, um, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm angry about the way that um I and other people like me have been treated by church and I'm some of the um, facilities I go to to visit patients the way that I mean, some of them are fine, but some of them, the way they treat people makes me very angry, you know, so like I am still not always or even often sure how to express that anger in a way that is helpful or constructive or maybe healthy is a better word, but I've come a long way in that I'm very able to admit it now, you know. Mm. Um, and so the work still remains in, uh, in that part of what are the, for me, what are the more constructive or more healthy ways to express it? Um, but yeah, that's gonna be a work in progress, I think for me for a while. Cause like, I'm just also just not the type of person to like scream and break things and you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So you know, what am I going to do? Well, that depends on a lot, but I'm still working on that part. Yeah, I'd say I'm kind of the same boat. I've been learning to recognize my own anger, but also recognize what's worth being angry about. Mm-hmm. This year has been a year where I've allowed myself or just because of the circumstances been allowed to be angry at systematic racism and seeing uh-huh. how that's playing out and just being outraged at the apathy and um, sometimes the outright, you know, you get, I get angry at some talking heads really easily because they're spewing a lot of, yeah, yeah they're <laughs> spewing a lot of uh, uh. misinformation and just riling people up and saying, Hey, we're paying attention to black and brown people. You shouldn't be worried about that. Cultural Marx, Marxism, critical race theory, right, blah, blah, right, blah. Right. Well, and usually those people are making people angry, not because they have any firm principles of their own, but because they're using it to get rich. Right. 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 Which makes and it even worse. Which yeah. makes it worse. And so I get angry on all fronts. I get angry of what they're saying, but also that they're abusing people who really just need some guidance to get away from you know, that kind of horseshit that those people say. Right. Um, yeah. So I've been a little bit better at that. And uh, frankly, as I've been uh, 
refocusing my attention on anger, it, it made me re- rethink the, uh, let me say, rethink the approach that I had to Scripture, and especially whenever it appears that God is angry. Well, I was just going to ask, so, you know, given that this is a theology podcast, I mean, clearly our culture and our, you know, family life and all of that kind of stuff played a part in our difficult relationships with anger. But I was just going to ask, so do you think your theology was part of that too? Um, Which, spoiler, I bet the answer is (laughs) yes. And so then more of like, so how was that involved, do you think? Yeah, so for me, and I'd be really interested if uh, to hear what you think of this, but I think that typically I approached it in kind of a black and white way, uh, and that is God is obviously angry in Scripture, and I have a choice to either accept or reject that. And uh, the way that I accept that, of course, in the systems that I was was uh, trained in, that I grew up in, was to say that uh, God's anger has an out in his love. Uh, and we see that, of course, because God's a- anger, especially his wrath, was put on Christ on the cross. And so if God is angry, or let's say whenever God is angry, it's an opportunity in good Lutheran parlance to talk about how God's wrath is put on Jesus. And so we kind of ignore God's wrath and God's anger, um, and that's one way you could do it. The other way, of course, is to go the route of many people who, when they um, experience God's anger in Scripture, they just say, well... Uh, what use is it following an angry God? I'm I'm out, which right. I get. Well, what I was going to say, too, of like you've talked a lot about the whole poor, miserable sinner um, aspect of your theology, in which case were you told that God was angry at you, you know, and until you, you know, that's why you had to repent and all that. Or was that not really? Because that was always what I heard in that. God mm-hmm. is angry at you for being sinful. But don't worry, Jesus died on a cross and now you can be forgiven. But maybe that's yeah. maybe that was me reading into it. I think that it's implied and not strongly implied. It's like if you think it through, then that's exactly how. I mean, what other conclusion can you come to? I don't. Right. I don't think there's much. However, was that preached? No. In fact, that would be like uh, that would be something in my training, especially that uh, professors would point out about evangelicals is that they hey they really like God's wrath um, instead of God's love upon the cross, which is uh, it's funny because they're right, but also hilarious. Yeah, in the amount of projection there. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So like, that's what I mean. Like, it's kind of like they're able to put at least the concept of the wrath of God away, like onto someone else, onto other Christians and say, well, we believe in the one who gave in to the wrath of God. And so we don't need to focus on the wrath itself. And that's where the poor, miserable sinner comes in. Mm. God's not angry because we're poor, miserable sinners. We're just shitty people because we're poor, miserable sinners. Yeah. But, okay. Well, all right. Yeah, no, I can see that. I think, um, and, you know, in terms of what your professor said, they're generally right. Like, I can't 
tell you how many times I heard about God hates sin, right? Like, um, you know, and of course, nobody, they would always say that doesn't mean God hates sinners, but you know, maybe a little. Um, Hate the sin, love the sinner, right? Right, right, which was bullshit. But um, yeah, I, I think that because of the central place that, um, well, honestly, hell plays in not just the, you know, conservative evangelical or fundamentalist theology in general, but in the whole, um, especially when I was a kid, they've gotten away from this more, I think, just for the most part, because they've realized it's deeply problematic. But the role that scaring people about help would play in evangelism Mm, and, you know, that kind of thing, Um, like, hell doesn't make sense without God's wrath. Right. So, um, or God being angry at people. Um, so it's like, yeah, otherwise that if, if, if you don't have that, God's just a sadist, which, you know, in there, although you could say anyway, but that's separate topic. Anyway. Um, the point is that, yes, I think in my case, God was often portrayed as angry, about sin and the state that the world was in, right? Like it either grieved God or, but I think more often I heard that God was angry about that. And then we should be too, you know, we should be angry about, take your pick of the basket of issues, you know, um, so abortion, abortion, etc. you know, gay people, exactly. Yeah. Uh, secularism, you know, whatever, whatever. What is sexual? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, you'd have to ask them. (laughs) I mean, I think, yeah, but any, any of those things and whatever the thing du jour was, right. So like Harry Potter or Pokemon or nonsense, things like that. Little Nas. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, I think that was it. It was in the theology, but it was that we were always angry about something. Right. Um, sometimes a lot of things we were angry about the fact that abortion was even allowed or a thing, or we were angry about not during my time, but people making Satan shoes or Madonna kissing Britney Spears or whoever it was, or, you know, that kind of thing. The cross being dipped in urine was a big thing. Yeah. The piss Christ thing. Right. Which I don't remember ever hearing about. So I must've, I don't know, maybe that didn't make it up to Canada or something, but, uh, <laughs> but that kind of thing, there was always something like that. Now it's the Starbucks cups or whatever nonsense. Right. Um, but yeah, it was in the theology with things like how we viewed sin and hell. And then there was always something and usually multiple some things that we were angry about. Um, so, and I wonder now I look at that and I, even then I wouldn't have been able to say this or even realized it, but I, I wonder if now I looked at that and said, this can't be right. <laughs> you know, the way <laughs> the effects it has was having on all of us as a community. Um, not just me personally. Um, I wouldn't have been able to say it. I probably would have justified it to you or denied it was a problem at all in those days. But mm-hmm. I wonder if internally I wasn't convinced, um, I don't know. It's very much in retrospect, so it's hard to say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I think it was kind of inherent in the theology and the um, religious life experience too, you know, in terms of that was almost always in the message somewhere. And I don't just mean the sermon. I mean, just in general. Um, Yeah. So how did that work for you? Like, so it sounds like sounds like what you're saying is you were encouraged to be angry. Yeah. And yet 
you experience life in a very different way where you weren't happy with anger. Right. So I, how did how did that gel for you? I think maybe I need to trying to think if I need to amend what I said earlier, because I, I'm wondering if maybe part of the way I dealt with my own anger about any number of things was by shunting it off to anger about these other impersonal things, right? So um, even though in looking back now, I see that I was angry about a lot of things just like for myself or whatever, maybe the things like abortion or secularization or uh, you know marriage, whatever it was, um, was a way that I could be angry because it didn't, those were things that didn't actually, um, honestly didn't really play a real role in my life, right? When I was 18, I was not getting gay married or even wanting to. Um, I had no experience with anybody as far as I know who'd ever had an abortion or even thought of it, right? So like in some ways, it was a way to kind of uh, cast my anger that I had on something safe because these other things I was angry about like personal things or in my own life things were not, didn't feel like I could be maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could have said that then again, but I, I, I think back on that, I guess I did feel anger, but it was now I think it wasn't about the things that were actually important. It was about the things that it was safe to be angry about. And maybe that's because everybody else was angry about them too. Mm. And yeah, so was God. Like that was the other thing, right? We were always told mm -hmm. that God was angry about these things. So therefore it must be okay to be angry about them. Mm. So I guess that naturally leads, naturally leads to a question. Is God angry about those things? Do you think? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, some of them <laughs> like definitively no, right? Some of them no. Some of the, maybe even most of them no. Uh, are there things that God is angry about? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> um, I think part of me says yes, because there are things like, oh, uh, I don't know, the Holocaust that I would think and want God to be angry about, right? I mean, um, or whatever terrible example you can think of. Um, on the other hand, like, it's just so hard for me to even think about what divine anger even would be. Cause I know, and maybe I don't think I'm getting ahead of us, but I know there are plenty of places in scripture where you see divine anger, where at least that's what I was told it was. But even those, like, there's a lot of difference in how God acts in different situations. And even when God is angry. Like one time God wipes out the whole earth with a flood and the next time God kills just two people because they were the ones who did something, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Is God angry about the things I was told God is angry about? No, probably not. Is God angry about things? Maybe. I don't know yeah. what you think about that. I like the way you put those uh, put those uh, distinct from one another. Uh makes me wonder how much energy we've put into things that God's not really angry about. And right. most of them probably. Yeah, most like, of them. I'm going to give you a free one, folks. Starbucks cups. 
are not on God's radar. <laughs> Just saying. Neither are Christmas trees or no, nativity no. sets or no, none of it. Grow up. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, if you want to put two T-Rexes on the front of your lawn, then that's all fine and good. Can we put them in the nativity? Yeah. Can we have dino Jesus? That would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So I think I agree with you. No, I don't think. I know I agree with you. Uh, there's a lot that we think God is angry about is really just us being angry about it because of cultural reasons, because of personal reasons, whatever it is. And we, we search the scripture for vindication of God's mm -hmm. anger about it. when. You know, at best, it's not even this, but at best, God may say something like, hey, you know, you probably should be intentional and careful around this. Hmm. Um, yeah. And we're like, wait a second. God says, don't do it. Fuck all those people who do it. <laughs> right. Get so angry. Well, and, and I think it's also partly to not to give us all a break, but I think to recognize that some of it is because as humans, we can't think about God at all without anthropomorphizing God in some respect. Yeah. And I bring that up to say like, so it's hard to think about the idea of divine anger. I don't even know if we, we can't without letting our experience and view of anger be part of that consideration. Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say that the, that there's necessarily nothing to that. Right. Um, like we're made in God's image. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that's like, you know, necessarily wrong. Also, we can't help it. So too bad if it is right. Um, but all, all I mean by that is like, it is complicated in that sense. Um, Maybe it shouldn't be such a crutch. Like for a lot of us, we use it as a go to to judge other people, certainly, but mm -hmm. also to vindicate our own actions and our own stuff. It's like, I, I wonder, like the question that keeps on poking into my brain is you you've said it like this but not as um precisely like the way i'm thinking it which is is it even possible for me to conceptualize what divine anger looks like with all the baggage of anger that i bring to the table like is it even possible to do that well i mean i don't know i mean i guess that leads to the question of is that possible for anything then like you know could we conceive of God's love either? And I think the answer is maybe like at least somewhat yes to all of these questions, at least as much as that's possible. But I think what I've always experienced and done myself is never took the time to really think about that aspect of it. Like, um, well, of course I know what anger is. So I know what God's anger is because I know what anger is, right? I know how anger yeah. feels to me. So that's what God is when God is angry. And I think that that I think that's what you're getting at too. But that's that's I think where the problem comes in because um well it's just it's gotta be more complicated than that, I think. Um if we're talking about the ineffable, right? The un, in some sense, unknowable outside of Christ. But I just mean like, you know, like the, the that mm -hmm. view of God that way, like we rush to know and say, we know exactly what it is and what it feels like and what it means. And that's, that's, I think where maybe the biggest problem for me lies. Um, 
we're just so sure. And then like you said, I think that leads to uh, why do we need God to be angry? Like we are all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I have ideas, but that's anyway. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, So I, I like that. Uh, Maybe it's more complex. Maybe what we can just do is spend some time complicating anger since, um, since we haven't been doing that, Um, complicating it, not like we can't approach anger, but maybe complicating it is seeing the depth of anger. And we already sort of brushed on it. First is like anger is complicated because we bring a lot of baggage to the, to the story, mm-hmm. to the conversation. I think uh, an implied thing from that is, is probably a broader picture. Not only personally are we bringing some baggage to that, but culturally we're bringing baggage to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Western people have a lot harder time with anger than, than people of the East. Um, Middle East, so on and so forth. And uh, that's not to say that they're right and we're wrong or vice versa, but it does recognize that anger has a more robust understanding if you include other cultural expressions of anger or understandings of anger. And if we just assume that the way we see anger in America or in the West it must be the way that God sees that. And then, mm. you know, of course, I wonder about white supremacy, first of all. But then oh, secondly, well, sure. I wonder about theological supremacy is like, well, we, we have a certain way of thinking about things in the West uh, that hasn't always worked out so great when we think about God. Um, right. Well, okay, so let me let me channel 21-year-old Ryan here for a second, okay. and not as a devil's advocate because that annoys me, but more of the sense of like what I would have said then or what I would have wondered about or questioned mm-hmm. is, because um, I think a lot of people who are in that conservative world might be, one might be saying at this point if they're listening to us is, okay, but it, it does seem like when you read these things in the Bible about where God... Maybe it even says God is angry, you know, my anger burned against them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like it, 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 in at least some of the cases, it seems to be pretty close or similar to anger that we experience right now. I know we said that's there's somewhat of a cyclical relationship there, um, in the mm-hmm. sense that how else could we conceive of it? But I just right. am saying, like, what, what do you or what do I, what do we think about, um, I like, I don't want to make this just about hermeneutics, but I'm just trying to say like, what do we do with the fact that some would see some places in scripture as being quote, fairly clear on this? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, are we trying to say, am I like, are we trying to say that? Yes, the Bible says that, but our baggage means it's not that which is an oversimplification, but I'm just like, I guess, I guess I bring it up because I still wrestle with that sometimes of I've been pretty open on the podcast about my evolving conception of scripture and the fact that I don't know a lot of the things I used to think I knew for sure about how the Bible works and such. Mm -hmm. But even so, like there are some places in scripture that seem I don't know about one-to-one, but seem to be very close to the kind of, you know, ways that we would talk about or experience anger. Okay. So like for me, I have two answers. One is the more 
um, assholey answer, which <laughs> is, well, when you're the most certain, that's when you should probably be the most skeptical. Like that the, is an assholey answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when you should really consider. So we've already done that. The, yeah. the better answer is to say, um, well, let's dive in to discover why. Because I think the second problem with this is that we have assumptions on the text because the narrative that we've been told about Scripture, about God. And I would venture to guess that most people, and I you know, push back on this quickly if you want to, but I would think that most people believe God is unhappy with bad behaviors. Mm. No, I think that's probably true. That was my experience, yeah. So ungodliness, if you will, um, unholiness. What would be another word that's more in your tradition? Um, the world. Like Worldliness? Capital, okay. Yeah, the capital W, world, you know. Mm -hmm. And so if if we see God angry, of course, my first move would be to do that deconstruction thing of saying, well, are you really seeing it the way uh, outside of your own circumstances? But secondly, then go in and say, okay, well, why why does it seem like God's angry here? Give you a really good example. Um, so uh, Moses is speaking with God. This is an Exodus, and he goes down, and there's this golden calf, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Moses gets pissed off, and he drops one of the tablets, or actually, it seems like he drops them all. Right. Um, and then he goes back up the mountain and tattles on God, right? He's like, "Hey, guess what they're they're doing down there? <laughs> guess what your people are doing? I think doesn't <laughs> yeah. he say something like he that? He does, yeah." yeah. <laughs> Such a toddler. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I do the same. They're thing, not my so. people. They're your people. Yeah. And so God gets angry, right? It, it's very clear. His his anger burns against them is, I think, what they what it says I there. I think to the point of God wants to wipe them out and tells Moses, I'll start again with you, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So is it because of bad behavior that that's the case? is like the first question I'm going to ask. Because it seems like, yes, right? They've done this bad thing of building a calf and and Well, and it was it. right after God had done something. Like, I feel like it was right after he got it delivered them from somebody or there was something I can't remember, but it was like, come on, guys, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And when we see that bad behavior, especially given the context that it's like, hey, you just got out of the Egypt with the plagues and now you're doing this, we kind of flatten that, right? This is a preaching move. And part of me wonders, like, is our hang up with anger because we've had shitty preachers? It could be that. Mm -hmm. But we flatten it and say, well, you know, you don't want to have God angry at you. So this is a Lutheran thing we do. I don't know if it was really in your circles, but. Um, we don't want to have idols of our own, and mm -hmm. idols are anything that we put more energy, time, effort, money into than God. Hmm. I've probably and, heard that sermon a time or two. Have yeah. you? Probably. Oh, gosh. It is so familiar. Like if you were a Lutheran, that would be a sermon I mean, you could quote verbatim, I'm sure. I'm, I'm hoping I didn't, but I probably did one or two myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping not, but it's probably something that happened. So we turn idolatry into, and Luther did this. Luther, um, I, I'm going to be careful because I don't know enough about Luther's talk on idolatry since 
a lot of these new thoughts have come to me. But we turn it into, well, pretty much anything is an idol. So you get like, you know, the silly example, but it kind of clarifies it. Pastors will actually go up and preach against football on on Super Bowl Sunday because Mm -hmm. there are people who don't show up and they turn out to be idols of football. Talk about a lost cause. (laughs) I know, right? But that's an example of using God's anger in a certain circumstance to make it God's really angry because you watch football one Sunday instead of going to church. And for me, I would I would be like, okay, yes, God's anger does seem kind of clear here, but is it anger because you're watching football? <laughs> or is there something about God's anger that's different there? And so, you know, one of the big things that we've talked about early on is, hey, how about we slow down and see what God's anger is really here? So God's anger really in the text is, and we're doing hermeneutics, but forgive me, uh, God's anger is really there. He's angry because they're worshiping quite literally another God, Uh um, an image of their God, which they think is their God, but God has already well, don't told they, them. It's not. Don't they? Is that, and I could be wrong, but isn't that where they say they build the calf and they say the calf brought them out of Egypt? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, for people who are literalists, it's really quite phenomenal how little they take things literally, especially places that really matter like this. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very few Christians that I know that will quite literally worship football. Okay, but I guess the question I have is, so like, okay, so in that example, God's anger is because they are literally worshiping in a physical object that they claim is doing what God has done for them, right? Yes. So God is angry about that. But is that, like, it seems to me the difference in anger there is the power differential rather than the experience of anger. And what I mean by that is, well, nobody should be worshiping us. So, but what I'm trying to say is like, if we were in the same, like, it feels like, or I would have, I think I would have been told like, who wouldn't be angry about that, right? The only difference is God has the ability to 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 do it in a way that obviously people don't or so. Like, does that make sense? Like, I guess what I'm trying to s- struggle around to say is that like, but even if God's angry with them about that specific, thing which is not super common anymore i hope um then like but it's it's not it does it still doesn't feel different than the kind of anger that uh that humans feel does it i think for me what that does is both limit and distance that experience enough for me to then think about what does it mean for God to be angry? First of all, it limits it, as you said. Not very many people are doing that today. In fact, probably not very many at all. And then it distances it because it limits it. Because I don't have a real context of it, because I don't really understand what that means, then it, it forces me, and I'm not saying this is a solution to God's anger, as if we're trying to find one, but what it does for me is it makes me say, okay, God's angry about somebody worshiping something as if it's him Mm -hmm. directly. Since that's not an experience I've really noticed (laughs) 
or certainly have never practiced, what does that say about God's character when it comes to anger? Mm. I, I don't know, right? Yeah. I, I can't know that because I don't have any experience. So I, I'm even one step removed from the anthropomorphizing, which is kind of where I was trying to get is, yeah, so the first problem is we anthropomorphize it. So we've got to deal with our context and we've got to do that. But the second part of it is to realize that uh, we can even bring ourselves one step further away from that to say, well, even when we kind of di- digest and disinvest from the cultural experience of it in the scripture, it, it still doesn't make much sense to us. Mm. Uh, whereas God's love does, right? It still right. doesn't in a way. Like, how can somebody love us no matter what? That's really strange for us because even 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 kids and parents they have a strained relationship over time um mm. and you know you can really test that no matter what now we have good parents that have shown us that that's true but really no matter what no matter what i do god's going to love me that's that's kind of where so i guess what i'm trying to process out loud is i think there is a breaking point not on, not just on the side of contextualizing everything from a human perspective, but then to try to put ourselves in the divine perspective to see anger is kind of, kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, does that make sense at least? Yeah, no, I, I think it does. I think, um, I think for me too, I, I have to I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the, the fact that for me, anyway, it, it's also further complicated by the fact of what's the right way to say this? I know I was taught, and for a lot of conservative or fundamentalist folks, or whatever label that's not offensive, you know, that you know, who have a very um, particular view of scripture in their minds, if the text says it, that's exactly what happened in real life, right? So, um, And I'm not saying that, like in this example, I'm not saying I know that it didn't or that I think that it didn't. But what I am saying is I wonder about that in that the story portrays Israel as doing this and Moses and God acting in the way that they did because it's making a larger point about, um, well, lots of things, but the unfaithfulness of Israel and, you know, Mm -hmm. in some ways God's mercy because God doesn't actually end up doing what God was said was going to do, you know? Um, And so in which case, I wonder how much does the fact that whoever wrote or compiled these things, um, you know, at whatever point, they were wrestling with those theological issues and thus portrayed God's anger in a certain way. And so, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know if everything in there literally happened exactly the way that I'd always conceived of. And I'm not as threatened by that as I used to be because I think the the theological points or the, the messages the story is trying to impart are still true in that sense. But yeah. I do think the fact that for me, at least the, it's complicated by the fact that everything I think, anything theological, but we'll just say in scripture is the people of that time, whoever it was that wrote it or compiled it, like I said, were wrestling with those issues and and thus portray things in a certain way. So um, I wonder, like, I wonder what that means for God's anger now, 
because like maybe part of the reason um, we have an easier time with God's love is because I wonder if our experience of love as humans hasn't changed that much from when, from then, you know, like, um, whereas maybe anger and specifically divine anger was a lot different in terms of how people conceived of and thought about it then. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I wonder if like, um, I wonder how all of that affects this too. Not saying, not using that to say that God doesn't get angry or that, you know, God was, but isn't anymore necessarily. But I just, gosh, there's just so many things that come into play that I don't know. Um, and given how we have used the theology or idea of God's quote anger for our own benefit, power, and etc., it makes me really hesitant to say I know exactly what's going on there or quote what it means. I love that last part, especially because maybe that's the most foreign thing for us because anger for human beings uh, creates divides, right? It, it creates divides between people, people groups, so on and so forth, because violence is almost always a part of that. Um, Maybe with God, and I, I could see that, yes, there are times where this is not true, but but maybe part of what makes God's divinity or anger so different is because of his divinity, his anger isn't about separating people from him. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of a raw thought. I was thinking of uh, Lamentations as well. Mm -hmm. Lamentations is a really good book of grappling with God's anger and specifically judgment of exile. Mm -hmm. uh, and the book doesn't give any answers, right? It does. That's not the point of the book. Uh, there's some some people who've turned chapter three into answers for the book, uh, but the whole point of it is to engage in what theologians call theodicy of trying mm -hmm. to discover how a good God can be bad. And it takes five long chapters to say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's a mixed bag. It's everything from dead infants to, and yet God's, you know, mercies are new every morning, right? Like it's right. It's the wrestling rather than the, um, like it gives an answer or some answers, but there isn't the answer, right? Like, right. I think, yeah, because like, you know, the idea of, and yet God's mercies are new every morning is an answer to some of the things that come up in that book. But it's also, I mean, that's great, but that doesn't answer some of the questions brought up by the yeah. more horrible things described at the beginning, right? Well, and sometimes the, the author goes into how, well, Israel was unfaithful. Right. And again, it's kind of like, well... Yeah, but <laughs> does that mean that widows get to starve in the streets? Right. Uh, no, it doesn't, says the author of Lamentations. And so they kind of grapple with all of those answers. And for me, even though Lamentations is more about grief than it is anger um, and God's judgment than it is anger as well, I think it's really applicable for uh, this conversation because it helps us distance ourselves from our assumptions of what anger is. Uh, and I think that's really important because 
If we distance ourselves from that, then we can start to ask questions, not so that we get to a place where we defend God or dismiss him entirely, but so that we get to a place where we're actually asking a question that brings about depth in our faith and recognizing that we're never going to answer the question fully. It's it's just not going to happen. Hmm. That was a little preachy. That's okay. We get that way sometimes. <laughs> Well, that's God's anger. What about ours? Um, as we kind of end here, as we opened up room, hopefully, for some thinking and maybe even conversation around anger, what does this say about our anger? So what I mean by that is a lot of times in my experience, and we shared this at the beginning, I think, that as we have experienced God's anger and what he is angry about, that gives us permission at best, maybe even licentiousness to be able to be angry. And we're seeing like the results of that a lot right now. Oh, you mean God gets angry, therefore we can too? Yeah, right. And so we use that phrase that you did at the beginning of righteous anger, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to be righteously angry about stuff. Um. Can we can we be angry uh, righteously? And if so, what's that really look like? My my gut reaction is to say that I think that it is possible, but I don't know how often we succeed at it. So let me back up a second. Like, I think, is it possible? Well, you know, I think about in terms of injustice, right? Like, so when George Floyd was murdered and for whatever, for many reasons, it was it was different for white people than a lot of the other things that were similar that happened. For whatever reason, that one broke through in a way that others had not. And I think about the like protests and all of this kind of stuff was definitely an outpouring of anger um, at the at racism, the broken system, white supremacy, whatever. Um, and I think that. I'm not saying for every single person, but I think that the anger involved there in some ways was a righteous anger because it wasn't anger for anger's sake necessarily, or at least it didn't have to be. Uh, like the goal of those kinds of things was to combat injustice, you know, like, so we have massive protests so that hopefully, um, you know, his murderer can be brought to justice and, you know, laws can change to, or whatever it is, you know. Um, so is it possible for there to be righteous anger? Maybe, maybe yes. But it seems like for me, the idea of righteous anger is about is about uh, what's what's the right way to put this? I don't know. Is it always about other people and not about ourselves if it's righteous? Maybe, you know? Um, and I also wonder about the idea of, does righteous anger come from us or does righteous anger have to come from God? And I don't know. Mm. I'm thinking out loud here, you know, yeah. um, because like I think that kind of righteous anger or the civil rights era, that that kind of stuff, you know, like I think that I think that there was a divine element in those kinds of things. You know, I, I really do. But I don't know if there's no like, I don't know. I, I It feels like perhaps there is a place for the idea of righteous anger. But I think that 
I think that we should be careful about assuming that it's always about what we're angry about. Yeah. Which is not to say that it, that they're necessarily not. Cause like in that right. example I gave, like, you know, um, I, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't, I'm not trying to say it's chicken or egg problem, but I'm just, I wonder, like, I, I guess that was my long winded way of saying, I think there is such a thing as righteous anger, but I think we should be careful about applying it to things that we do um, often, you know, because a lot of times we're selfish and scared or whatever else. And then we get angry because that's a way to deal with those feelings. And then usually bad things happen as a result. And we say, ah, but it was righteous anger. And it's like, well, I don't know. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. It it causes like, that's why it's such a tough question. Right. Right. Because, uh, uh, First, I think it's important to note that you're going to feel angry no matter what. No one can take that feeling away from you, and and no one should. But how you act in that anger really matters. Right. Like, I don't believe that it's wrong or bad to feel anger. I think that's that's nonsense that we've been taught that there are, like, anger is not a negative emotion. It's just a human emotion that we experience. It's what anger causes us to do that gets to healthy or unhealthy right. territory. I, I think just like happiness or sadness or whatever else. Right. Um, emotions are just emotions. I don't believe that maybe envy, but I don't think that most of them are positive or negative. Right. Right. And I think once we establish that in our practice, and of course, as we just did, then the question of, anger can can you be anger has a different tone to it right so the tone is not can you feel angry but rather can you act in anger and i think that's where the righteous anger really comes from because a lot of people think yes you can act in anger especially or even when you feel slighted against mm-hmm. and you know i was trying to think of well there's got to be some sort of standard but every standard that you think of can be caveated towards selfishness so you think about justice like well people treat me unjustly because they do this this and this when it's really just minor inconveniences right 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 or i I wonder too of like and i don't know obviously as we've been saying all along we're just talking out out loud here thinking out loud as we go but um you know in the case of like if something bad is done to me i get angry but I wonder, is it righteous anger if it's about defending myself, um, given, you know, turn the other cheek, give them your coat kind of stuff? Um, or is it is is it righteous anger when it's on behalf of others? I, I don't know. Like. Yeah, I struggle with just putting in and I know you're not doing that. We're talking out loud. But what if somebody is like in a in a very abusive relationship right, right. or, you know, you think of our, our brothers and sisters of color where right. they've, they've suffered injustice in ways that we can, we cannot possibly imagine. So, yeah. and I wouldn't want to say that they shouldn't feel right. anger about what's happened to them as, or you know, our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters. Yeah. Right. Um, so it gets tricky. And I think that, 
this conversation is helping me see is that perhaps what we need to really start with is just accepting that anger is a reality and that there does seem to be an element of some sort of justice to anger. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, but most of the time. Sometimes it's like the classic example that comes up with anger is Jesus in the temple. And right, right. He is angry because they're defiling God's temple. And taking um, advantage of people and cheating them and, you know. Yeah, yeah. And claiming it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And claiming it was God doing it. Right. right? So maybe, maybe one can say that that's the same thing. It's injustice, but commercial or um, capitalist <laughs> injustice. Yeah, because well, capitalism sucks. But yes. <laughs> um, but it does make me wonder like, um, I think maybe where I'm comfortable with it right now, exploring it for probably the first time in a while. Anger around injustice seems to be a really good, let's say, safe place. Does mm-hmm. you know that? I don't know if I like that word necessarily, but it does seem a safe place for anger to rest because uh, it seems like God's really concerned about the oppressed and the stranger, the widow, and the orphan. Right, and I think, um, I think. Or maybe I should say I wonder about, you know, like like I said earlier, I don't think anger is ever bad in and of itself. It's where, you know, what happens. And then maybe that's like, um, uh, like when you feel angry about injustice or whatever, maybe that's the first step needs to be stopping and asking God to um, help not just show you, but teach you how does this anger, how is this anger righteous and doesn't, like, how do I not stray into selfishness or revenge or um, whatever? Because I, like I said, I do think there's a possibility of God using righteous anger to bring good things. Uh, You know, I, I do think that that is a, I think I'm comfortable saying, I believe that that can happen. But I just like personally, I would want to be careful about assuming I always know exactly what that is or how it looks. Um, and I think I think this is safe to say. I'll just say from my own experience, what I've struggled with anger, and you know, how I said I never really saw it used very well, was because usually anger was something that caused someone to. Uh, immediately do something without thinking about it. You know, you lose your temper and you say something that later, gosh, I should not have said that. Well, you didn't, you know, when you're angry in the moment, you didn't stop to think about those things. You just said what you felt. Right. And so I wonder if um, that's for me, at least one of the key things about anger is it's hard to do because anger makes us want to just lash out. But maybe that's the difference is that anger divine anger or godly anger is the kind that doesn't lash out. It's the kind that tries to bring about change for the good of people, maybe ourselves and maybe others. But um, I think maybe the lashing out is the part that's is I think the lashing out is the part that's uh, different than the turn the other cheek and such, but not necessarily acting on anger in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like, 
I mean, I think of Jesus, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. It's a basic thing that we say to our kids, no matter who the kid is. Um, if you feel angry, uh, don't don't hit people, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to be hit by them. In fact, we have clear examples of this in our child care and preschool. It's a common thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody lashes out in their anger, does this very same thing, and what? Three minutes later, it happens to them, and they're all offended that somebody did right. it to them, right? Um, well, but lashing. that's it. It's because children, like we don't expect children to be like, as they get older, we do, but children aren't able to regulate or understand those kind of things in a way that is healthy because they're still growing and developing and learning and, and all of that kind of thing, right? right? Like children are, have a hard time, um, managing emotions because they haven't done that much yet, but you know, we're not children, I hope. <laughs> and so, um, like that's maybe that's what one of the things I'm saying is we need to be careful in our anger, not to act like children. And I don't even mean that as like a, you know, I hate children kind of thing. I'm just saying only in terms of how it affects us and how we use it and how, what it does is, you know, we should have the capacity to deal with it better than that. And if we don't, then that's that's where we need to be really wary of it getting us into unhealthy territory pretty quickly and examining what else is happening in my life, heart, mind, soul, spirit, whatever, that makes it so hard for me to do that. But um, that's where the therapist and why, yeah. yeah, And why we don't want to be so quick to put righteousness to our anger because while we may not want to be like children, I would venture to say a lot of us are. Sure. Um, we don't we don't have, you know, the structures from our childhood. It doesn't matter who you are. They'd just be different. Like we can't right. handle certain emotions or certain experiences. And so we get angry and we kind of lose it sometimes or we get really jealous. You know, you can think of other things that are, are really harmful if we play them out. Uh, but when it comes to anger, I think that's why we got to be super careful about righteous anger. Um, one of the markers that we established here, I think, or at least as a working theory is that maybe injustice is part of that, but you know, who's to say that what you think is injustice is really injustice. You got to be careful even there. Um, Well, I mean, I think it depends, right? Like sometimes like George Floyd, for example, Injustice and no, I don't. Well, other than the poop heads, nobody would argue with that, right? Um, well, even most of the poop heads, they do believe, yeah, it they was, know, you yeah, know, like they know, yeah. but but um, but even after that, of like, okay, but what to do about that is where, um, yeah, you know, care needs to be exercised, right? Um, for whoever, and I want to say that carefully, but I think that's okay to say that way, right? Like, um, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yes. For me, the other thing to be careful of is to all, we should be careful of always assuming that God is on our side, right? That God is angry at what we are angry at. While that is possible, right? Especially if it's um, anger at injustice that maybe even came from God in some way. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. It's possible for God to be angry what we are angry about. But if I just don't, I don't think that if God is always angry about what I am angry about, that's awfully convenient for me, isn't it? 
you know, yeah. and it puts me in a really powerful spot as yeah. compared to everybody else say, because inconvenient to other people. I'm on God's side. Yeah. You know, and people who are not in the same spot, well, they're not. And so, yeah, it's just, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that it's impossible for us to be quote on God's side in that sense, but we should be careful about assuming we always are and just knowing for sure, especially in the moment when we experience anger right away. Um, and so I think for me, that's what I've been trying to work on is like, okay, I feel anger about issue X or my own experience Y or whatever it is. And, um, you know, how, like God help me figure out how do I act? When do I act? Because sometimes you need to act on anger and sometimes you don't, right? Um, depending on what it is. Um, sometimes I felt angry about something and then I've learned that, uh, yes, I could have said or done this, but it was just better that I recognized why I was angry and then re later realized that actually what I was angry about was this, not this other thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I guess it's just, it's such a, anger is not a negative thing, but it has potential to be a negative thing um, because we're all so bad at it. And so that's why I think we need to be really careful with it. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I think that's exactly what I'm thinking about the most too is I used to shy away from anger even until very recently. Uh, in my preaching and so forth, it was always like, let's move away from anger. If you feel angry, then, then yeah, let's talk about that so we can own that anger. But I always thought about it as resolving the anger so that way we don't have to really deal with it in anger. Right. You just, um, you express it so that it can go away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh -huh. But I'm starting to realize that at least for human beings, anger can be productive and destructive. And I didn't know the productive side of that just mm -hmm. yet. And I yeah. think trying to discover that is really important. And it's really one of those interesting conversations around God's anger. Who you talk to matters a great deal. Like if you talk to an evangelical, let's say, just generically speaking, you probably want to focus more on the destruction that anger can do because they can't see that. Let but, me tell you, I can, I can uh, promise you that it's destructive from my own personal yeah, experience. Exactly. Yeah. But for somebody who really wants to move away from anger altogether, maybe part of what this conversation needs to be is, well, where is anger productive? And recognizing right. that we don't have a good vocabulary, I don't at least have a good vocabulary to be able to do that right now. Right. But maybe anger is, because it's an emotion that's been given to us, maybe there is something to it worth holding on to. Yeah. And, and worth holding on to and learning how to express it in ways that are healthy instead of unhealthy. Yeah. So like I'm angry every day that millions of people in these supposedly richest country in the world can't get the healthcare they need. Right. And right. so I'm learning, okay, well, what's the right way to use that anger rather than just, you know, complaining about it on social media or something, which I can't do <laughs> anyway, because I don't have that partly yeah. because I recognized how futile and 
unhelpful my anger in those areas was for personally, I mean. Um, but it would also like be super unhealthy if I said, okay, any politician who votes against certain things, I'm going to like bomb their office or something. I'm not, <laughs> but that's what I mean, right? Like mm -hmm. it's learning. Okay. So I feel this anger because it it's enraging, right? It's, it's nonsense. It's terrible. So how do I help people in a way that helps address the issue both now and hopefully long-term? Um, and that's not about even necessarily politics, it's about how do I help people? Um, and how can that anger um, propel me towards helping those other people, you know? And I don't always know, um, And but I also don't wanna just be like, yeah, I'm angry and I think this country we live in is a joke and that's as far as I go, right? Because that's also really not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. although it's, it's hard sometimes because I just feel that way a lot, but, um, yeah, so I think it's, it's learning and, and like, I think that's a process and I think it's one that, that we can really ask God to help us with. Um, like I think it's always helpful. Sometimes I've been, I've been learning that sometimes it's helpful to express when I feel angry. Sometimes it helps to just for me to tell God that even though I, I think God knows how I feel, it's helpful for me to express it. And so maybe like just giving God a good old prayer rant once in a while, not even necessarily saying it's God's fault, although maybe, right? Um, all I mean is like finding ways to express that. And then I've, I've found personally after I've expressed it in some way is when it's easier to try and think about, okay, but what can I do that's helpful and healthy with this anger rather than just sitting um, in my anger somewhere and writing in my hate journal about Republicans or something. Um, mostly joking, but. Uh, I was say, you have a hate journal? No, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like expressing it in some way. And sometimes God has been really helpful with that because I feel like God can take it and it doesn't, no one's going to get hurt if I express that, how I'm feeling to God. And then I also try to use it as a prayer in the sense of like, now God help me. How do, what do I do with this? And I can't tell you that I leave those prayers often and say, okay, now I know, but I do think it's part of the process of learning how to do that. At least it has been for me. Um, it's been something I've been working on lately. Hmm. That's great. I mean, I think I was like thinking, like, how does this fit into God's anger and what we're talking about today? And my initial thought was one I went away from quickly, which was, well, perhaps we need to spend more time dealing with our own image of and reality mm -hmm. of and re reaction to our anger before. But I think maybe just recognizing that it's complex and recognizing that there are no simple answers around anger, including God's anger, because of how we see and experience anger and how we're all constantly working on it uh, in, in the ways that you've outlined and others. Maybe that's really what needs to happen in relationship to God's anger is, is recognize that it's just a project like all the others. Um, and, you know, it, it ties nicely into the frontier type thing. That's not what I was trying to do, but it does seem to me like 
I'm uncomfortable with anger. Maybe that says more about me than it does anger. And maybe it says more about me than it does God. But does that mean we dismiss it? No, I don't think so. I think it means we work on my or I work on my approach to anger and how I'm receiving anger and giving anger or reacting in anger and so on and so forth. At the same time, as I try to consider more deeply, what does it mean for God to be angry? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's maybe that's as good as we can get. Well, and you know, it made me think of the fact that I think there's a place for anger on the frontier, although it looks different for different people. So, like for you and me, part of the frontier is um, not just admitting we're angry, but learning how to express it in ways that are helpful or healthy or whatever. For others, it might be that the frontier for them is learning how to not hurt other people with anger, right? Or examining Mm -hmm. where some of their anger comes from and what to do with that rather than just lashing out or, or whatever it might be. Um, and that's like, maybe that's part of this process of God wants to teach all of us, help all of us, um, live into that very normal, human emotion that a lot of us struggle with either in our side of things or, you know, possibly the other side of things too. Um, Mm. I really like that because it seems to me like then, uh, of course this doesn't erase everything and make it perfect, but maybe what God does by taking on the, the anthropomorphized anger in scripture is uh, give us a way to reflect and consider what it means to be human in our anger. Yeah. I mean, I do think that's part of it. Like God feels emotions too. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think all of them, right? Not just because Jesus is a man, but because um, God God feels what we feel. I, I really do think that. I think that's why you find every emotion under the sun in scripture, why you find those seemingly horrible, angry passages where they ask God to drop a comet on their enemies or something, or there's Uh a psalm where it doesn't just ask God to kill them. It it asks God not to forgive them even, right? right? right. That's because we feel that way. I think that's why part of why those, those parts are in there is because God knows we feel that way. And so we express them to God and then God helps us. What do we do with it? And like I said, that's not a cure-all because I often leave those thoughts or prayers being like, well, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But as I've been more willing to explore that with God, I've been learning more about that. And I think that's part of it too, is we look for a a panacea and I don't think like, you know, uh, I prayed and God fixed it and... I don't think it generally works that way for something like this. Yeah, God can do whatever God wants, but God seems to like process more than we are comfortable with. No, I I really do like that. I like the idea that at least where I am right now in my own frontier journey of maybe just asking the question, maybe God takes on anger in the scriptures so that we can grapple with it Hmm. because too many of us probably don't intentionally consider what anger is and how we live this life well within it Hmm. um, or 
with it, not within anger, but with anger as one of our emotions. And Mm -hmm. for me, that seems like, (laughs) that seems like a wise person, like wiser beyond my years to be able to help me appreciate and others, of course, appreciate what anger is. And, um, I think it also allows us to lean into the difficulty instead of, um, trying to solve it, which Mm. I'm always a fan of. If we can lean into things that are difficult rather than, um, protect ourselves from them, then I'm all in favor of that. I mean, anger is not a solvable thing. It's not, it's, it's a thing. It's not a problem necessarily in and of itself. Right. And I think that's part of the problem is we're like, okay, how do I fix being angry or whatever? And it's like, well, don't, you should be angry. You know, that's, that's how humans are. But the, like I said, how asking God to help us figure out what to do and when to do and how to do those are all things that we can. And some of those things may have solutions in the sense of like, okay, I need to not do this anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's like, we don't, we don't say this stuff about slow down or let's, you know, look at the complicated nuance or whatever to be dickheads. Like we, we do it because one, that's what we are learning about ourselves. You know, it just recognizes the process that all of us are on and that God is doing with us and God's patient. And so that's, okay you know like none of us are perfect but we can get better i think is the idea for me yeah i like that all right well so there you go we we've talked a lot about anger and our own and god's anger and what it looks like and all of that kind of thing and we didn't really give an answer to anger because like we said that's not really how it works and so i hope that it encourages anyone who's listening to re-examine how we conceive of anger, how we experience anger and where anger often takes us. And, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want. The thing I described about, you know, expressing it to God may not look the same for everybody else and that's okay. But I would encourage you to ask a God to help you know where to go and what to do with anger. And I think that God will do that. So, yeah, I, I think it's something we've all really struggled with in different ways, but it can be in a healthier place than I think it is, wherever you may fall on anger and how it's affected you and others in your life. So, send us an email. Tell us about what you think about this subject or how you've experienced anger or, or, you know, that kind of thing. If you want, you can tell us about why we're full of shit and the Bible clearly says X, Y, or Z if you want. And, um, we'd love to talk about that or talk with you about it. We also have a discord, um, which we'll put the link somewhere, I think in our notes for this episode, if you want to join us on there, that's just a way that we could all communicate on a reg- on a daily basis or regular basis or whenever you want if you want to um and uh yeah i think i think that's good so i guess i should tell you the email address though it's frontierfaithpodcast at gmail.com um and there'll be a link for the discord we're trying out in uh the notes or the section for this episode so even with anger and everything else it's it's okay and it will be okay and god will take care of us 